When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Welcome Earnhardt in, Jr., Kirk so Herbstreet is on the phone. It's 57. Here. The podcast in America. Your tour sports yeah. podcast presented so by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Friday, January 27th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for the FFE the fun Friday edition of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We got a lot of ground to cover, people. We're going to open actually a little bit of college football. So here's what's going on. The transfer portal, the window that we have transfer portal windows. Now the first window is officially closed. Most of the best players have committed to schools. I tell you who the biggest winners are, who, who got who, what it all means and what it could potentially mean for the 2023 college football season. From there, we'll take a quick break. And there really isn't a ton of college hoops to react to. So instead, what we'll do is start to look ahead. Busy weekend in college hoops, Tennessee, Texas, uh, Kentucky, Kansas, a lot of big games in that SEC Big 12 challenge. I'll also give you my picks for the AFC NFC championship game. Picks presented, of course, by Betfred Sportsbook. And we will wrap with America's favorite segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Been a few weeks since we did this, and I got a lot of stuff right. I got a lot of stuff wrong. Before we get to the show, one quick announcement. Just want to thank you guys and girls. The YouTube channel, many of you may be watching it right now, hit 20K this week. Cannot thank you enough. Cannot even describe in words how this YouTube channel has blown up. Um, You know, uh, it was November of 2021, so a little over two years ago, that we were scratching and clawing to get to 1,000 subscribers. 1,000 subscribers is kind of a milestone. Obviously, it goes without saying. November 2021, we get to 1,000 subscribers. We are now at 20,000. Cannot thank you all enough. Next goal, 25,000, then 50,000, then 100,000. But could not do it without all of your support. And thank you again for everything you do. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel, please make sure to do so. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll tell you, you know, college hoops, a little bit of a quieter week this week. Um, You know, we talked a lot about the early week results on Wednesday's show. Not really a ton has happened since then. So instead, what I want to do is actually want to start with a little bit of college football. It's been now about three weeks since the season ended, since Georgia took care of business against TCU. Um, And so the, the season itself is done. But as we now know, December into January is one of the most important times on the college football calendar period end of story. And that is because that is when a ton of transfer recruiting goes on. By now, you don't need me to tell you the transfer portal. I don't know if in football or even in basketball, if it will ever truly replace solely recruiting, if it'll ever replace recruiting high school players, you still need great talent. And especially in football, The best way to accumulate the best talent is through the high school ranks. I do think that's still the case in college basketball as well. But with that said, you need to recruit the transfer portal. And every school is looking for something a little bit different. Some, you know, are looking to to, to flip over a roster if you're Auburn and Hugh Freeze or Deion Sanders, Colorado. Uh, Others are just looking for to, to plug a hole or two, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. 
So everything's a little bit different. But what was different specifically about this year in the transfer portal is that for the first time, we had transfer portal windows. Okay, remember, I actually talked about this about a year ago. People said, the transfer portal is out of control. How do we fix it? I said, the biggest thing, just have transfer portal windows. The transfer portal doesn't have to be Burger King. doesn't have to be open 24-7, 365. Have it your way. That's okay at BK. It doesn't have to be this way at the transfer portal. So this year, what the NCAA decided to do, they were obviously listening to this show. They instituted transfer portal windows. Essentially, a player had about five to six weeks after the season ended to enter the transfer portal. And if they did not enter it, they were basically at the program that they were at until the spring when there will be another window for a two, three, four week period there. So why I bring it up is because last week the portal officially closed. Now, some players are still in the portal and still being recruited, but for the most part, all of the best players that were in the portal have committed to schools And now it's time to start to look at who ended up where and what it means for college football in 2023 and beyond. So what I want to do now is look at winners from the early transfer portal window, knowing that one, we're going to have a transfer portal window later in the spring again after spring practice. But let's look at some winners from the transfer portal again with the understanding this isn't just a straight, you know, going by the ranking. It's going by who needed what, how many players did you get? Are you rebuilding? Are you trying to get just one or two players to plug and play? So let's get into the winners of the early transfer portal. The number one winner in the early transfer portal is actually one of the big winners from this time last year. And that was LSU and Brian Kelly. And what's interesting was this time last year, LSU just had holes. They were the Titanic. They had holes everywhere that they were trying to plug Brian Kelly took about 24, 25 players, I believe, when it was all said and done last year when he took the job at LSU. Well, this year, coming off of an SEC West title, didn't have as many many holes to plug, but he went after guys at positions of need, and he had a ton of success. So credit Brian Kelly. I think he was maybe the biggest winner. Here's what you need to know about LSU's recruiting hall. The number one player that they got is maybe the most interesting player in the portal, a kid named Denver Harris, who was from Texas A&M. If the name sounds familiar, he was one of the top-ranked high school cornerbacks in the class of 2022, actually played quite a bit at Texas A&M. He was part of that Texas A&M recruiting class that was historic at this time last year. But why it's interesting is he was also suspended twice and essentially thrown off the team late in the season. And so why it's interesting is because this is a guy with a world of talent, who could not make it work at Texas A&M, and now he is going to a place in LSU where discipline and accountability are kind of pillars of how Brian Kelly runs his program. So this, to me, is fascinating because what Brian Kelly is basically saying is, I believe that if we get him in our locker room with our culture, we will have the chance to turn this guy into a success story. He's probably the most high-profile player that LSU signed. On top of that, they also signed a very interesting piece from Alabama, a kid named Aaron Anderson. Great name, by the way. Aaron, no big deal. Um, But Aaron Anderson was a very interesting player. High four-star recruit in last year's 2022 recruiting class, like Denver Harris. And he actually committed to LSU out of high school. He's from New Orleans, uh, Edna Carr High School, which is an iconic high school football program in Louisiana. Committed to LSU for Coach O. Coach O gets fired decides to decommit and goes to Alabama this year. Doesn't get on the field, but what is especially intriguing about this one, Alabama lost a lot of guys to the portal, and I don't get the sense that Nick Saban was all that upset about most of them. Most of them probably realistically were not going to play next year or in the future at Alabama. But this was a kid that Alabama was upset about. This was a kid that Alabama saw in their future plans and he decides to go home. A couple other noteworthy names that you should keep an eye on for LSU. Uh, one, I mentioned Denver Harris, the cornerback, but also on top of him, Zai Alexander, a cornerback from southeastern Louisiana. Yes, he came from the FCS level, but he is a guy that a lot of people believe can play at the highest level. Paris Shand, a defensive lineman from Arizona. Jordan Jefferson, they used to have a quarterback named Jordan Jefferson at LSU, a defensive lineman from West Virginia. Uh, A couple other D linemen, that seemed to be an area of priority for LSU. But I would argue LSU is maybe 
the number one team in terms of transfer rankings for this cycle. After LSU, here's who I got at number two, one of the the really buzzy teams of the college football offseason. That is the Florida State Seminoles. And a couple things. One, Florida State, and we talked about them at the end of the season, but they are like the, the it team of the 2023 offseason. This past season, they go 10-3 and three in year three under Mike Norvell. They do a great job of retaining their players in this program. Jordan Travis, their starting quarterback, is coming back. Jared Verse, one of the elite defensive linemen in college football this year, decided to skip the NFL draft and come back. Florida State, I think, is interestingly, they seem to be at least publicly focusing their NIL efforts on retaining current players rather than going and paying for high school players. So I think that's very interesting, especially when they share a state and a rivalry with with uh, Florida, which we just know what happened with Jaden Rashada. But Florida State is a buzzy team, and their coach Mike Norvell has done a great job through the years of hitting the portal effectively. I just mentioned the kid Jared Verse. Could have been a first-round pick. Came in the portal this time last year. Jermaine Johnson was a first-round pick last year, came from the portal as well. This year, they're doing really good work in the portal. The names that you need to know for Florida State, Fentrell Cypress, and all ACC corner came from Virginia. This was a kid who could have gone anywhere, had offers from Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't recruit the portal a ton. This was a kid they prioritized. Michigan, Notre Dame, all offered this kid Fentrell Cypress. He ends up at Florida State. Jaheim Bell. Very interesting name. Tight end from South Carolina is a great, not only pass catcher, but a runner as well. As a tight end, he was actually South Carolina's second leading rusher this year. He decides to hit the portal and goes to Florida State. Also, Braden Fisk, defensive lineman, was down to Florida State and Notre Dame. Came from the MAC, 12 sacks, five, uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss, excuse me, five sacks. Really good player. And then also an offensive tackle, Jeremiah Byers, who just about everybody wanted. Florida State, my number two winner in the transfer portal. Number three, and this one's really interesting because it shows how every program uses the portal a little bit differently. LSU had 12, 13 guys. Florida State had 12, 13 guys. We're going to get it to a team next that took 23 players so far in the portal. But this team that I want to get to, is a team that is good enough to win the national championship next year, and they really only had to plug a few holes, but boy, oh boy, did they do it, and that's the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan, obviously, we've talked about them a ton, but this was part of the reason. I said it doesn't make sense for Harbaugh to leave right now. You have all these returning stars, but he also cleaned up early in the portal. In total, Michigan only took a grand total of seven players, but they got some good ones. First off, uh, two or really three potential starting offensive linemen. Remember, nobody does offensive line play better than Michigan. Ladarius Henderson from Arizona State. Miles Hinton, a multi-year starter at Stanford. Drake Nugent, another player from Stanford. Those guys all along the offensive line. Here's where it gets interesting. That defense added some very fascinating pieces as well. Ernest Hausman was a true freshman who balled out for Nebraska this year, decides to leave after Scott Frost gets fired. He has uh, he could have gone anywhere. He chooses Michigan. Some people believe he might have been the best defensive player in the portal outside of maybe Travis Hunter, who we'll discuss in a minute. Also, Josiah Stewart, that's also a name to know. Outside linebacker was at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina's head coach, Jamie Chadwell, uh, decided to go to Liberty to replace Hugh Freeze, another guy who will be on this list later. And the uh, the player that I just mentioned, Josiah Stewart, was their best defensive player, 12 and a half TFLs, was the preseason Sunbelt freshman, or, or, or freshman, def- or the preseason, let me start over. The preseason Sunbelt defensive player of the year was a freshman All-American two years ago. That is Michigan's recruiting class again. They didn't take a ton of bodies, but they don't need a ton of bodies. And that's what's fascinating. They use the portal differently than some teams just to plug a few holes on what is a title contender. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. One team that has a lot of holes to fill. That sounded weird, but has a lot of, a lot of holes out of the portal. I'm talking about the transfer portal. Let's get to that team. I can't even keep a straight face if you're watching on YouTube. A lot of holes to fill. The Colorado Buffaloes. So Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, listen, this is not a secret that Colorado is a disaster. They were a disaster pre-Coach Prime, okay? One, they were the worst, maybe the worst power five team in college football last year. One and 11 overall. But two, you know how you know that, that Colorado needed help through the portal? It's because it is opening meeting with the team. Deion Sanders said, I got my own luggage. I'm bringing Louie. He basically told the dudes in that locker room, you're not good enough. You got to go. And so in total, Colorado took, how about this, 23 commitments in the transfer portal. As best I can tell, that is the most of any Power 5 program outside of Arizona State, which is also having a new head coach uh, in Kenny Dillingham. But obviously with Coach Prime in Colorado, What's especially interesting is the players that he brought with him. Travis Hunter is the best player in the transfer portal. Was the number one high school player in America last year. Was set to go to Florida State. Flips to go to Jackson State. He is now coming with Coach Prime from Jackson State to Colorado. Shador Sanders, Coach Prime's younger son, quarterback, 40 touchdown passes this year. Coming to Colorado. We know he's going to be the starter. Shiloh Sanders, Coach Prime's older son. Now, he's not the oldest son, but the older son, that played football for him last year at Jackson State. Shiloh Sanders is a very interesting player. He actually began his career at South Carolina, played in the SEC, transfers to play for his pops. Now he's back at the Power Five level here. Beyond just the guys from Colorado or, or from Jackson State, a couple other names to know, and some of them will be familiar to you guys and girls who who follow the SEC. Jordan Dominic, really good defensive lineman who played at Arkansas last year, is headed to Colorado. Uh, Miles Slusher, a safety who has started a lot of games at Arkansas, is headed to Colorado. Cavassier Smoke had a couple big years for Kentucky, kind of got lost in the shuffle behind Chris Rodriguez this year. He is headed to Colorado. So Coach Prime, 23 players so far, and you know he ain't none. You know there's more to come. And you know that once the transfer portal reopens in the spring, he'll be taking more guys. Let's keep it going with another first-year head coach that I think is really interesting in what he's done. And that is Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers, okay? And Hugh Freeze, let me say this about Hugh Freeze, okay? First of all, this guy's doing exactly what I told you he was going to do. I told you Coach Prime was going to kill it in recruiting. And Hugh Freeze knows how to put together a roster that wins in the SEC, and what's especially interesting about Hugh Freeze is this. He has targeted the one spot that Auburn fans have been screaming about forever, okay? Auburn fans dating back to the Gus Malzahn era have been begging their coach, coach, can we work on the offensive line? Can we recruit some big guys up front? Can you do that for us, coach, whoever our coaches, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson? Well, Hugh Freeze has prioritized that in year one, offseason one at Auburn. He has signed three elite offensive linemen. Dylan Wade, offensive tackle from Tulsa. USC wanted him bad. Chooses Auburn. Avery Jones, uh, interior offensive lineman from East, uh, East Carolina. Illinois was, he thought he was a done deal to Illinois. Brent Bielema's chirping about NIL this and blah, 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 blah. Goes to Auburn. Gunnar Britton, another offensive lineman at Auburn as well. Another interesting piece, Rivaldo Fairweather, a tight end who played at Florida International. 
This was a guy that has not played a lot of high school, uh, a lot of football in his career started late, but some people think this is an NFL caliber dude. He is headed to Colorado after leaving Florida international on top of Auburn. And I know I already talked to LSU. I want to hit on a couple other very interesting sec programs right now. One, the Kentucky Wildcats and Kentucky is interesting because they're really a lot like Michigan. Now Michigan's a national title contender. That's not Kentucky, obviously, but Kentucky, I, I think Mark Stoops feels pretty good about a lot of, of the guys on his roster already. By the way, I should mention back to Auburn for a second. Former Kentucky defensive lineman Justin Rogers did go to Auburn. Sorry, Kentucky fans. Sorry to bring that one up. I had to. But let's get back to Kentucky because I thought Mark Stoops and his staff did a really good job in the portal this offseason. Again, they don't have a million holes to plug. This is a season that even though it was a disappointment, the recruiting has been good. The talent is largely in the program. I actually think they're going to bounce back nicely next year. But I bring it up to say they got maybe the most important piece in the entire portal. And that was Devin Leary, the quarterback at uh, from North Carolina State. I would argue Devin Leary was the best quarterback in the portal this year. Maybe Sam Hartman, who committed to Notre Dame, was better. But Devin Leary was a guy people were talking about as a potential first-round pick a year ago, gets hurt at NC State in the 2021 season through for 34 touchdowns. He's coming back with Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, and they have a chance to be really good. Outside of Devin Leary, a couple interesting names. Ray Davis, 1,000-yard rusher at Vanderbilt. J.Q. Hardaway, a really elite recruit who spent last year at Cincinnati. He leaves when Luke Fickle leaves. Jansen Dunn, another uh, defensive back. He was at Ohio State. So credit Mark Stoops, credit Kentucky for getting the guys that they need to fill holes on the roster. Let's keep it going with another SEC team who had a very interesting, specifically the last week. That is the Ole Miss Rebels, okay? And this time last year, I thought Lane Kiffin did as well as anybody in the portal. He started calling himself the Portal King. Got Jackson Dart, the, the quarterback from USC, what was interesting was, did you see what happened a week ago when Lane Kiffin took not one, but two high-level quarterbacks in back-to-back -back days? Walker Howard, the quarterback who played last season at LSU, former five-star guy, was buried on the depth chart behind Jaden Daniels, behind Garrett Nussmeyer. He decides to enter the portal. What was interesting, though, was he committed to a place where there's seemingly a starter already in place. That is Jackson Dart from Ole Miss. Here's the problem. Apparently, Jackson Dart is not the starter in Lane Kiffin's eyes because not only did he take Walker Howard, a day later, they took Spencer Sanders, a four-year starter at Oklahoma State. And so it looks like we are going to have a true three-person battle for the starting quarterback job at Ole Miss. I don't know if it's going to get settled in the spring. I don't know if it's going to get settled in the summer or if it's going to get settled in fall camp. And I'll tell you, there's, there's already going to be, we know, at least one transfer quarterback that is not happy with how things end. I'll be blunt. I didn't talk about the Spencer Sanders thing last week. There just wasn't enough time. I find it very bizarre. Fourth year starter has one year of eligibility left. You get the wrong school. You get buried on the bench. You're out of eligibility, my guy. So we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys transfers out this coming off season but that remains to be seen. Ole Miss is another team that's intriguing. We'll wrap up with a couple more. One, do want to give credit to the USC Trojans. Like LSU, they were a team that was really aggressive a season ago. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, whatever. They did not have to be as aggressive this year, but they got a few big pieces. Uh, Anthony Lucas, a five-star defensive tackle who played at Texas A&M, another one of those guys from Arizona originally, decides to transfer back out west. He's going to USC. Dorian Singer, um, a wide receiver who led the Pac-12 in catches at Arizona, is headed to USC. Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina, the other USC's leading receiver, is headed to the other USC in, at Southern Cal. And the one thing about Lincoln Riley, you know he ain't going to rest. You know there's probably going to be somebody that emerges in the spring. Uh, Lincoln Riley. Not afraid to uh, to say, to be aggressive. Let's put it delicately: to be aggressive in the portal. Last team, you know what? I'll say this: Oregon, by the way, another team in the Pac-12. I thought did really well. Jordan Birch, defensive lineman uh, from South Carolina. Um, uh, Treshawn Holden, uh, a, a wide receiver from Alabama. 
Kyrie Jackson, a cornerback from Alabama, went there. Should mention, by the way, TCU did a very good job in the portal as well. Tommy Brockermeyer, former five-star offensive tackle, went to Alabama. Uh, who was the other guy? JoJo Earl, five-star from, uh, you know, went to Alabama. Trey Sanders from Alabama. As you can see, Alabama lost a lot of guys in the portal. They're going to be okay. Finally, I'll just say this. One team that I thought was actually very interesting and, and, and impressive, really, was Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, don't forget now, you know who Wisconsin's head coach is, right? Luke Fickle from Cincinnati went to Wisconsin this offseason. And Luke Fickle, very interestingly, hired a guy by the name of Phil Longo as his offensive coordinator. Phil Longo runs the air raid, essentially. Now, there's some running elements to it, but this was the guy at North Carolina that made Drake May a Heisman Trophy contender, that put Sam Howell in position to be a first-round pick, even though he didn't play that well last year. So that guy is going to Wisconsin as the offensive coordinator, and they have established that they're going to pass the ball. Tanner Mordecai, a kid who many thought was going to enter the NFL draft. Tanner Mordecai was at SMU. He decides to do one more year of college football, and he ends up going to Wisconsin. He was a guy who threw for 33 touchdowns, 3,500 yards last year. C.J. Williams, a former five-star wide receiver at USC, is now uh, 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 headed to that school, Wisconsin. So he's got a nice number one target. And what I thought was interesting was they took a quarterback for the present for next year in Tanner Mordecai and a quarterback of the future, of the future, in Nick Evers, a former highly rated recruit who was at Oklahoma last year. So Wisconsin, I thought a very interesting team out of the Big Ten. I think that's it. That was a lot of portal talk. I don't know how long that segment went. It felt long, but it felt good. It felt like there was a lot of content there. I'll say this. LSU, Florida State, Colorado, Auburn, Michigan, Kentucky. A lot of really good work in the portal. USC, another one. Again, they didn't have as many bodies that they needed to take. Thought they did very well as well. So what I want to do, I do want to take a quick break. And when I come back, we'll switch gears. We'll start to preview a wild weekend ahead. A lot of college hoops and, of course, two NFL games. We'll discuss that next. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. And boy, oh boy, do we got some news for you. First of all, by now you know the drill. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK. Since then, come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Media, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, and here is the big news. Betfred is officially taking bets in Nevada effectively this effective this week. Betfred Sportsbook in the Mohegan Sun Casino in Las Vegas. There's a Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Mohegan Sun also has a casino in Vegas. Betfred Sportsbook is there. So that's one. If you're in Vegas, check it out. Here's two. You know how I've told you, Betfred, nobody treats their customers better? How about this? Betfred is run by a gentleman named Fred in the UK. He came to the United States this week, and here's what he did for betters with Betfred. Anyone who bet the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl, he has already paid out those bets? That's insane. So if you got the Bengals at 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 15 to 1, whatever you got them at at any point in the year, he has already paid out your winners as a thank you for your support. Obviously, Betfred, the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals as they get set to face KC this weekend. Beyond that, here's the best part. On top of that, Betfred Sportsbook, Fred has now made the odds 3-1 to one for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. So think about that. It's basically a pick em this week. They'll probably be favored whoever they play in the Super Bowl. And you can get them at 3-1 to one odds right now in the Betfred Sportsbook because they take care of your customers like that. Thank you to Betfred Sportsbook, our presenting sponsor. Nobody does more for their for their betters. Again, brick and mortar, Betfred Sportsbook in Mohegan Sun Casino in Las Vegas. Mohegan Sun in Las Vegas, Betfred Sportsbook. Make sure to check it out. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I uh, do want to. I want to switch gears and I want to kind of, uh, you know, just kind of do something a little bit different here. So generally in this spot, we'd maybe talk about a few odds and ends from the world of college hoops. But really, since we last recorded on Tuesday night into Wednesday, there really hasn't been all that much that has changed in the world of college hoops. Kansas and Duke lost on uh, Monday night. We talked about them. Kentucky obviously took care of business against Vanderbilt. So not a lot of new in college basketball. I guess, you know, Xavier beat UConn, but I I told you a week ago, UConn is in trouble. So that's not really new to me. Anyway, I don't know that there's really a ton from college hoops to talk about. So instead, what I want to do is I actually want to look ahead. I don't do a ton of preview content for a weekend, but we have ourselves a heck of a sports weekend coming up. Saturday, just a loaded wall-to-wall slate of college basketball. The SEC Big 12 Challenge is going to give us Tennessee, Texas, Kentucky, Kansas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Baylor. We get some other good games outside of that. Xavier at Creighton. So we got a ton of really good college basketball coming up. And then, of course, Sunday, not sure if you heard, but we got an AFC Championship game and an NFC Championship game. So what I want to do now is just spend a few minutes kind of previewing all the big games. We'll start with college hoops. And then, of course, I will give you my AFC and NFC championship game picks. All picks, by the way, presented, as I just said, by Betfred Sportsbook. So let's get into it. Let's start. And let's start with the Big 12 SEC challenge. Let's start with college basketball, to be clear. We'll get to college, we'll get to the NFL in a minute. But let's start with basketball. The biggest game on paper is a top 10 showdown between Texas and Tennessee. Texas in the top 10. Tennessee is at home. Remember, this game took on a lot of juice last year. It was Rick Barnes's return to Austin, Texas. Well, this year, the Longhorns now come to Thompson Bowling Arena, and this should be a real fun one. And what's interesting is I, I think both teams kind of have a reputation as super elite defensive teams. And Tennessee has certainly lived up to that. As I record right now, they are number one in the country in points allowed, fewest points allowed, I should say, and number one in field goal percentage defense. That is what I call an elite college basketball team. Texas, though, is a little bit different because I think the perception is Texas, yes, obviously we know Chris Beard is no longer there, but that they have that Chris Beard DNA of defense and toughness and this and that. This team's a little bit different. They rank 68th in field goal percentage defense. They do give up a fair number of points, though, but it's also because they play a little bit faster. What's interesting about Texas, I think they're really more of a, a an offensively explosive team than we've seen from Texas in a long time. Marcus Carr, who two years ago transferred from Minnesota, really struggled last year. I thought he was the best transfer in college basketball a season ago. He struggles but comes back this year. He's averaging 17.5 points per game, shooting 42% from three. I don't know if he's played himself into being an NBA draft prospect, but he is really good. Tyrese Hunter, who transferred in this past offseason from Iowa State, is really good. Timmy Allen is excellent again in the low post. And so Texas is probably a little bit of a different team than, than we thought they would be. A little bit better on offense than we expected, not quite as good on defense. But this is just going to be a fascinating matchup. And I think really specifically to me, what I would say is I, I actually think it's a very important one for Tennessee. Now, Texas, listen, Texas, you want to accumulate wins. But I'll give Texas a lot of credit, man. Rodney Terry, the the new head coach of Texas, is doing a heck of a job since Chris Beard was first placed on indefinite leave and then, of course, fired a few weeks ago. Rodney Terry is 10-2 as the head coach of Texas. The only two losses to Kansas State 
and Iowa State, the two teams that are tied with Texas atop the Big 12 standings. And so I look at this team. I look at what Texas has done. I look at the fact that they have nice out-of-conference wins. Creighton at home, Gonzaga at home. A couple really solid out-of-conference wins. And I look at what they've already done in the Big 12. I don't think this game really matters to them. To Tennessee, I think it does matter, though. And let me explain why. Tennessee fans, I'm not saying your team stinks. I'm not saying they, you know, whatever. But what I am saying is Tennessee's kind of in an interesting spot. They have a great win early against Kansas, which I think is obviously going to be relevant all year, even though Kansas is struggling. And they've done a really good job, Tennessee, of beating the teams that they're supposed to in the SEC and really beating the you-know-what out of them. 29-point win against Georgia at home the other day. 21-point win at LSU last weekend. A sweep of Mississippi State. A convincing win against Vanderbilt. But look at some of their... Look at their two most recent losses. Losses. That's not even a word. Look at their two most recent losses. Kentucky at home. Arizona on the road. Tennessee is a program. They're making the NCAA tournament. But this is the year that Tennessee fans, I think, want to see this team advance beyond a second round or maybe even a Sweet 16. They want to see them in the Sweet 16 playing to go to the Elite Eight or beyond. Well, this is the kind of game you're going to have to play at home. This is one you got to win. And I also think it's worth noting for Tennessee, the toughest part of the schedule is still to come. They still have to play at Rupp Arena. They still play Auburn twice, which obviously will include a trip to Auburn. They will play Alabama later in the year. They will play Arkansas later in the year. They'll play at Texas A&M. So just think about what I just said. We got about a month left in the regular season. They still have Alabama at home. They still have Arkansas at home. They have Auburn at home. They have Auburn on the road, Kentucky on the road, Texas A&M on the road. Those are six really big games. I think you got to make a statement in this one, win this one at home, tell the world, you know what? Tennessee's coming. We're coming not just for an SEC regular season championship, a tournament championship. We've done that, but we're a team that can win in March. Let's keep it going with the one that obviously I think everybody's really intrigued by, Kentucky hosting Kansas. Um, and what's interesting about this one, I mean, you talk about two ships passing in the night. I mean, if you had to think about two weeks ago, what the narratives were on these two teams, Kentucky coming off a loss to South Carolina at that point, what were they overall? I'm trying to think they were 10 and six overall after that South Carolina loss, the Kentucky Wildcats 10 and six overall one and three in the sec, your boy Torres. I screwed up. I did the whole the Calipari era is dead. The Calipari era is over rant. But since then, they've bounced back with four straight wins. It started at Tennessee. They beat Texas A&M last Saturday, a really good team. And of course, they they really, I thought, were maybe the most impressive win of the season against Vanderbilt on Tuesday night. Just a dominant start to finish win. And so I look at Kentucky. They're playing really good basketball right now. And you look at Kansas, they're not playing really good basketball right now. I picked Kansas to win on Monday night against Baylor because I just couldn't see the scenario where Kansas lost three straight games. Well, now they've lost three straight. I find it hard to see them losing four straight, but they're playing a really good Kentucky team. And what's interesting is I think they're going to have trouble matching up with this Kentucky team. Uh, They don't have an answer for Oscar Sheepway down low. Kansas does not have a lot of size, um, and their guard play has really struggled. Dewan Harris is struggling five points in the last four games. Now they're great on the wing with Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson was a first team AT all American, by the way, we did our Aaron Torres online mid season, all Americans, but this is a team that is struggling right now, right now, today, this second, I got to take Kentucky. I got to take Kentucky because I, I think they're not only playing better. I think it's a matchup problem for them though. Now we don't have a spread as I record. I don't know that I'll be betting against Bill Self to get blown out because that's just not who Bill Self is in his DNA. But man, oh man, oh man, Kansas is not playing very well right now. Third game, really interesting. And I think this is a big one for the SEC. Arkansas at Baylor, okay? Arkansas, two straight wins. Listen, say what you want about Arkansas. Super young team down a top five pick in Nick Smith and obviously Trevin Brazil to start the season. Struggled out of the gate, one in five in SEC play, but they have hit a little bit of a soft spot in the schedule. 
Back-to-back wins over Ole Miss and LSU. Let's be honest, the refs were a big part of that Missouri game. Not saying that's why they lost to Missouri. But they've played really about, I would say, three straight really good games at Arkansas. But they're going to a Baylor team that's won five games in a row, including that big win over Kansas the other night. Key for Arkansas, you got to figure out a way to slow down that backcourt. Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, Keontae George. LJ Cryer is playing out of his mind. He he was a guy that's been injured for most of the last two years. But this was a guy when he was in high school, he averaged like 36 points per game. And I think we're starting to see how good he can be when he is healthy. He is a guy that scored in double figures four out of his last five games. He was phenomenal the other night against Kansas. That's LJ Cryer again, a sophomore. Really, really, really good player. He is a guy that against Kansas finished with 22 points. Technically a junior, by the way. He didn't play much during that championship season of 2021. This is a guy that can light it up, though. For Arkansas, do you have the guys along the uh, uh, in the along the perimeter that can slow down these Baylor guys? Huge game for Arkansas. You get this win, you have to feel really good going into the rest of SEC play. But I think it's going to be pretty tough to go on the road and win at Baylor. A couple other news and notes from this weekend: uh, Auburn at West Virginia. The big story here. Auburn is, of course, coming off a home loss, which never happens, but it does. For some reason, AM seems to have Auburn's number at Auburn. Well, these two teams are playing at West Virginia. This is one Auburn has to have coming off that disappointing loss. Alabama at Oklahoma. A very interesting historical note here. Alabama, two years ago when they won the SEC, they were rolling going into the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They had to play at Oklahoma. They lost at Oklahoma. And they were never quite the same after. They were pretty good down the stretch, but they weren't weren't great. Win the SEC tournament, go to the Sweet 16. But they did lose at Oklahoma. There's still a few players from that SEC championship team on this roster. I don't know if Alabama's calling it a revenge game, but it sort of is. Iowa State at Missouri should be a great one. Iowa State, just an elite defensive team. Missouri, an elite offensive team. That should be a really fun one. And then you talk about fun ones. This is not part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But we got a Big East game, noon Eastern tip-off, Xavier at Creighton. You talk about two elite, elite offensive teams in college basketball. Two of the best teams on, on the offensive side of the court. Xavier, I know this sounds crazy. You know Xavier is second in the country in scoring behind Gonzaga? 84 points per game for Xavier. 84 points per game for Xavier. Creighton in the top 35 nationally. They're averaging 78 points per game. Creighton is playing really well. They put up over 100 against St. John's the other night. This actually, outside of Texas, Tennessee, and Kentucky, Kansas, this might be the game of the day. I know you look at Creighton's resume and say they're 12-8. and How good could they be? Remember, they had that six-game losing streak when their star center, Ryan Kalkbrenner, was out. They have bounced back nicely since then. The only losses on the road at UConn at Xavier. I think Creighton might pull the upset here. Finally, two games that we do have lines for. How about the AFC and the NFC championship game? Quickly, I wouldn't be Torres if I didn't give you my NFL playoff picks. Well, here you go. Let's start with the early one. San Francisco at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, a two and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. I actually have already made a pick and I've already made a wager on this. I got the Eagles minus two and a half. And let me tell you why. Listen, the San Francisco story is great. The San Francisco treat, Brock Purdy has been incredible. Mr. Irrelevant, seventh round pick. We all saw the weird quotes that reportedly came out from Nick Saban about him. I don't even know if that's true or not. Great story, but let's call a spade a spade here. He was fine against Dallas at home the other day. He wasn't great, though. Now he's got to go on the road in a hostile environment in Philadelphia? I just don't know. And so I think it's a little bit revisionist history to say that it's an overreaction. To say it's an overreaction to Philly dominating the New York Giants. But I think people are overreacting to the the, the 49ers beating a bad Dallas Cowboys team or a decent Dallas Cowboys team. Dallas had the ball with a chance to tie that game late. San Francisco didn't really effectively move the ball in that game. Had to settle for a lot of field goals. That's not a criticism of Brock Purdy. That's just a reality. That's just a reality that he's good, but I don't know if he's ready to go on the road and win a big road playoff game. 
So give me the Eagles in that one. Final score, 27. I'll say, I'll say this. 27-14, the Eagles win this one. Eagles go into the Super Bowl. The both really good defenses, but Jalen Hurts is too much for San Francisco. And then in the AFC, tell you this, man. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit in Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. First of all, Kansas City is a one-point favorite in the Bedford Sportsbook. And as I look at this game, obviously the big story is Patrick Mahomes. The fact that Casey is favored means that Vegas, the Betfred Sportsbook, they think Patrick Mahomes is gonna, not only going to play, but that he'll be pretty close to 100%. And so when I look at this game, though, I have a question for you. And I talked about it a little bit on the show last Monday. Here's my question. If, 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 if Joe Burrow goes into Arrowhead and beats Patrick Mahomes for a fourth straight time, Second straight AFC championship game. We got to call him the best quarterback in the NFL, right? Because I think there's this assumption. Patrick Mahomes, he's the best. He's the guy. The Mahomey, Patrick Mahomes, he, whatever. You lose four straight times to one guy, including twice in the AFC championship game. That other guy is probably in the conversation. I'm so impressed by Joe Burrow, man. The poise, the moxie, two things stand out. He's doing this behind a patchwork offensive line. Three starters out. And on top of that, I think this is important. On top of that, this is a guy that elevates everyone around him. He gets he creates a belief in the guys in that locker room. I don't think he's going into this game and losing an arrowhead. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals plus one to win this game outright. Go to a Super Bowl. So obviously give me the Bengals money line plus 100. As I told you before, Cincinnati plus 300 in the Betfred Sportsbook if you want to pick them to win the Super Bowl. All right, so what we're going to do, take a quick break. When I come back, we'll wrap the show. America's favorite podcast segment, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Quick break, be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with what has quickly become America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Been a few weeks since we've done it. So now feels like a great time to bring it back with the NFL playoffs starting to wrap up. College football done. College hoops ramping up, getting going. Feels like a great time to bring back Aaron right, Aaron wrong. For those of you who do not know the drill, did steal a segment from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong each and every week. And the reason I decided to bring that segment to the Aaron Torres podcast and claim where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong is pretty straightforward. Over the course of a week, a month, a year, nobody loves putting out hot sports takes more than your boy Torres. And when Torres gets stuff right, oh, he loves to tell you about it. Torres said this. Torres said that. Why didn't you listen to Torres? Torres, 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 Torres. Never shuts up. Just one problem. I get a lot of stuff wrong, too. And so we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Every single week, for the most part, to give you my best takes of the week and my worst ones, hold myself accountable when I get stuff wrong. And let me tell you, I've gotten a lot of stuff wrong. Let's get to it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So I remember telling you, even back in week two, week three of the NFL season, something wasn't right with Tom Brady. And I think I diagnosed it pretty spot on. I said, look, he came to Tampa with a certain goal, obviously to win a Super Bowl, prove Bill Belichick wrong, but he kind of came with his crew. Rob Gronkowski was there. Antonio Brown, you can agree or disagree with what's happened the last year or so for A.B., but he was a big piece that came to Tampa with Tom Brady, came to play for Bruce Arians. Well, all those guys were gone, and I even said in week two, week three, I said something doesn't feel right about Brady, and it never really got better throughout the course of the season, finishes with a losing record, does win the division, but gets smacked by the Dallas Cowboys in the first round of the NFL playoffs. And I'll tell you, Brady's going to end up somewhere next year, 
But as I've said a few times on this show, I don't understand the market for him. I know there's a lot of injuries. I know he was playing for a defensive coach who frankly might not be very good in Todd Bowles, but he looked like an old 45-year-old guy by the end in Tampa, and I'll be blunt. He seems like the kind of guy that needs everything to be perfect to have success at this point in his career. I just don't think he's that guy anymore, but I told you from the beginning, 2022 was not going to go well, and I absolutely nailed it. Where Aaron was wrong, you know what I have not gotten right? Pretty much anything I've said about Joe Burrow on this show. So listen, like everybody else, when Joe Burrow was at LSU that second year, it was unbelievable. It was one of the greatest stories I have ever seen. LSU, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, couldn't win the starting job at Ohio State. But if you remember at the time, I said, yeah, listen, I get the hype, but is he that good? Or was it just a perfect set of circumstances? Perfect set of skill position guys. Justin Jefferson, uh, Jordan, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Joe Brady as the play caller. Remember his first year at LSU, he wasn't very good. Everybody made a big deal about the Ohio State. He couldn't win the job. He wasn't good in his first year at LSU. So I said, I'm not convinced about this guy. I'm not sold. Even last year in the Super Bowl run, I said, we need to give credit to the defense. We need to give credit to a lot of people besides Joe Burrow. But I got to say, man, I was just dead wrong on this guy. This guy is big game. This guy is tough. This guy gets his teammates to believe. And as you just heard, I think he's winning this weekend. And I'll take it a step further. If he beats Patrick Mahomes for a fourth straight time, second straight time in the playoffs in Arrowhead, he is the best quarterback in the NFL. I respect Patrick Mahomes. I like him. I get it. But... You go 4-0 against Patrick Mahomes with two AFC Championship Games wins in Arrowhead? You're the dude right now. Even if he doesn't win, I have been so wrong on this guy. Where Aaron was right. Well, how about the team the Buffalo, uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals beat last weekend, the Buffalo Bills? And if you go back to the preseason, there was one episode where I did kind of NFL preseason takes and predictions. And one thing I said was, like, I get why everybody likes Buffalo but I'm not totally sold. And what I said at the time, and I ended up being hundred percent correct. I said, has any team that has accomplished less ever been the preseason favorite to win the Super Bowl? Because think about who the Buffalo bills were coming into the season. They were a team that was the preseason Super Bowl favorite, despite the fact that as a group, this specific group, I'm not talking about 30 years ago with Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and all those guys, this specific group has never won a Super Bowl together never played in a Super Bowl together, made one AFC championship game, and got absolutely destroyed three years ago at Arrowhead Stadium. And so I said, I get it. Josh Allen's the guy. They were 13 seconds away from beating Kansas City last year, could have won in overtime if they got the ball back. But they didn't get the ball back, and they really, as a group, have not accomplished much, and they certainly haven't accomplished very much after what happened last week against Cincinnati at home. I'll tell you, that pro that organization, as good as they are, as talented as they are, they got some issues going into next year. This was the year I think they got the benefit of the doubt. I think next year is the year where everyone's going to say, it's time for you to show me Buffalo Bills. Where Aaron was right. So we talked about it earlier in the show with the transfer portal win winners. Deion Sanders is doing exactly what I told you he was going to do at Colorado. I told anybody who would listen, which is obviously you guys and girls because you listen to this podcast. I said, give this guy a power five. He is going to clean up because he's not only a great coach, but he's a great recruiter who gets it. He coached his sons at the high school level. He coached at an FCS level. And so he understands recruiting, but he also, on top of that, understands how to build a program, understands how to build a winner, and that was something he was never given credit for. Now, bottom line, he's still got to do it at Colorado. But I think that roster is better than people realize, and I think they're going to be better than people expect next year and here's something to keep an eye on. This weekend, they are hosting a junior day in which they have one of the top wide receivers on campus, the number one offensive tackle in high school football, multiple five stars outside of those two guys that I mentioned, and basically every elite recruit in California. I actually did a separate segment just on the YouTube channel that you could check out. He has a chance to clean up in 2024, so I'm not going to go on and on. But the bottom line remains, this is a guy, I told you, he is going to create so much buzz, so much excitement if he ever gets hired. Credit to Colorado for being the team that did it. I think he's going to be great there. Where Aaron was wrong. So I said on this show, 
when Michigan got knocked out of the college football playoff, I said, I think this is the last game that Jim, Jim Harbaugh ever coaches at Michigan. And the reason why, he was flirting with everybody. He was the dude at the bar, last call. He didn't care who he was going home with. He just wanted to go home with somebody. He was talking to the Panthers. He was talking to the Broncos. He was talking to the Indianapolis Colts. I thought he was as good as gone. Now, I thought he was crazy, but I thought he was as good as gone. Well, as it turns out, he decides to stay at Michigan. I think part of it was the school president got involved. The school president made it a priority to keep him. The last school president, if you remember, that was the guy that was leading the charge to cancel the Big Ten season two years ago. Last last uh, school president did not care about football at all. This guy does. He wanted Jim Harbaugh back. I still think this is Harbaugh's last dance. I think he's going to try to win a title with J.J. McCarthy. If it doesn't work, he goes to the pros next year. But bottom line remains, I didn't even think he'd be back for 2023, and he is. Michigan will be the favorites in the Big Ten, maybe for the first time in in 20-something years, because even this year they weren't the favorites. Where Aaron was right. So when John Shire got hired at Duke, I said, look, I'm not anti-John Shire. I'm just saying the track record of head coaches that instantly step in with no experience and replace legends doesn't usually work out. And what I said more specifically, by the way, Duke 14 and six right now, one in four in true road games. But what I said more specifically is I don't think it's going to impact John Shire in recruiting in 2022 or 2023, but 2024, keep an eye out. And that is going to be interesting to follow going forward with Duke. This year's class was recruited when coach K was the head coach. Next year's class was recruited when Coach K was the head coach or John Shire had never coached a game. Well, now we have a track record, and Duke looks fine, but they don't look elite. And so to me, I think it's going to be very interesting to follow John Shire and Duke over these next couple years because I am not sold that he's the next Coach K. And as I said when he got the job, the standard at Duke is to compete for national championships, win national championships, sign number one classes, play in the biggest games. They kind of feel like an afterthought this year in college basketball, don't they? Where Aaron was wrong. All I need to do is say about four or five words. How about my Yukon Huskies? That's five words, I think. How about my Yukon Huskies? Listen, I'm not going to apologize because I said they were the best team in college basketball because at the time they were. They started 14-0. and with 14 straight double-figure wins to start the season or 13 straight double-figure wins to start the season. By the way, it's worth noting, they beat Alabama by 15 points, by double figures. I don't know if it was 15. They beat them by 10-plus points. Alabama's running away with the SEC right now. They beat Iowa State by double figures. Iowa State's tied for first place in the Big 12. So you can sit there and say, oh, Torres, you overrated them. No, they were awesome in that moment, and they've completely fallen apart since. Listen, They're still going to make the tournament. They're still going to be fine. They still have a nice out-of-conference resume. But this is a team with a lot of questions going forward, and we've addressed them, many of them, on this show. They lost, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, on Wednesday night to Xavier. Got down by a million, rallied, but it wasn't enough. And I'm officially worried about UConn. I truly am. Really quickly, a couple to get out of here on where Aaron was right. The Gonzaga Bulldogs. Listen, I said in, in, in April, in May, in June, I saw other people who cover college basketball. They're the number one team in the country. They should be number. I'm like, why? Drew Timmy's great, but I have a lot of questions about the guards and what has happened. Drew Timmy has been great. Gonzaga has been good. And by the way, I said they'd be good, but Gonzaga has been good, but they haven't been great. You saw what happened last Thursday night after I finished recording. I thought I could go to bed and it'd be safe. Uh, No, they lost at home. To Loyola Marymount, snapping a 75-game home win streak for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Look, this is a good team. They're still going to have enough wins to go ahead and get probably a 2-3-4 seed in the tournament. They have some good wins in the out-of-conference. Remember, they beat Alabama in Alabama. That's a great win. They beat Kentucky, which is increasingly looking like a better win than it was given credit for at the time. They beat on top of that Xavier, who is now in first place in the Big East. They beat Michigan State as well. So this isn't a Gonzaga's falling off a cliff. Gonzaga's a disaster. But I said from the beginning, this was not a great Gonzaga team. It has been proven correct. Gonzaga is really struggling right now. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, you know where I'm going to go. Lexington, Kentucky, John Calipari. I talked about this a lot on Wednesday's show. I don't need to spend too much time here. 
But as I said, I am done calling for John Calipari's job. You will never hear me call for John Calipari's job on this show again unless Kentucky goes like 4-25 and some season. Because at the end of the day, as as I said on last episode, John Calipari is the only coach in college basketball, the only coach in college basketball that every single year is going to have a team that's good enough to win a national championship or the only coach that that Kentucky can get, okay? Maybe other schools have that guy, but I'm sorry. With due respect to Scott Drew, Scott Drew doesn't have a team good enough to win it every year, and I don't think he would if he was the Kentucky coach. Same with Billy Donovan if he got the job. Same with whoever else. Chris Holtman, I don't know who else, you know, whoever else you think could get the Kentucky job. You can't, there's nobody out there that is going to put you in a position to succeed every single year like John Calipari. Now, does it get frustrating when you lose in the tournament? Of course, but everybody loses in the tournament. Bottom line, this guy, I'm done. I was wrong. I criticized him. I said he's not the right guy anymore, and I'm going to own it because I was dead wrong. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you of a couple things. Make sure you're subscribed. Apple. Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Over 20K subscribers there. Thank you for your support. Uh, And oh, by the way, if you can, you want to do me a solid? Seriously, everybody listen, driving, pull over, do me a solid. Leave a rating or review on the Apple podcast page. That would really help a lot. That said, I think it is time for me to get out of here. I appreciate your guys and girls support. Time to say goodbye. Shout out to Torque. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back Monday, and we'll have a lot to talk about. Aaron Torres Pop. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.